Thanks for tuning in to The Undercut with Jason, Martin, and Nick. Sorry for our episode being late this week. We had some technical difficulties. We hope you enjoy our review of the Monaco Grand Prix, and please rate and review the show wherever you listen. Enjoy the show. By being a racing driver, you are under risk all the time. By being a racing driver means you are racing with other people. And if you no longer go for a gap that exists, you're no longer a racing driver. We had the Monaco Grand Prix. Um, Going into it, we spoke last week about how it's, like Barcelona, not typically the best racing for passing and all that. It's very much a strategy race. Let's get into practice. So not much happened during practice. We had Danny who crashed out in FB2 in his first run. That was it for him, really, in in practice. Uh, It was the start of not a very good weekend. And then we get into qualifying. There were a couple little moments. It was still dry. Um, Yuki had, what was it, like a a little crash in Q1 that caused a red flag, but uh, a lot of people were worried that they called the red flag too early. It didn't really need to be a red flag. I think, you know, especially when they then had the safety car running around after Schumacher's car had fallen in half uh, during the race. And we'll come to that. But it just did seem that they that they threw out that red flag for no real good reason. And, and ultimately, I think that was, you know, that's what put Pierre on the back foot, right? He didn't, uh, he didn't get the place right. that he needed to. And that sort of led to some overtaking in the race, but he was out of position. I actually had him for some points in my Coupes F1, but no dice this time. We get into Q2. You guys and a lot of the the pundits thought that Botas had, you know, not like a great chance at winning the race, but being towards the top, but he wasn't able to get out of Q2 in P12. And then with Danny having such little running, he also was not able to get out of Q2, getting P14, which is uh, not what either of them were expecting. And then we get at the end of Q3, Checo spinning out, crashing into the wall. And then immediately after that, Carlos pretty much doing exactly the same spin out. I'm not sure if it was because of Checo's crash that he like had to slam on the brakes or whatever it was, but it looked almost like exactly the same thing. Then they crashed into each other. There was a little bit of talk about was Carlos... Uh, adhering to the yellow flags at that point he should have it seemed like he had time to to slow down but but i guess he just wasn't expecting that part of the track to be <laughs> a car to parked a, across it a car yeah. parked across it and then of course he smacked into checo and then verstappen came up and was stuck like this far behind mm-hmm. and there ladies and gentlemen well we'll, we'll come to that right <laughs> those three guys at the end <laughs> i saw i saw something funny it was something like uh carlos said uh, i couldn't find any gravel to crash into but then i saw checo so i was, I was able to crash into him instead it works <laughs> That was the same meme that you showed me with. Was that the same meme that you showed me with uh, with Carlos's hair looking very Oof. resplendent? It's yes. it, it's there, isn't it? It's great. I, was, I'm just envious. Yeah. Elvis esque or uh, John Travolta from Greece or something. There was a lot of uh, memes around his hair this weekend. It's not raining until like. 30 minutes before race time and it just it starts to pour they try to do they do a formation lap to kind of see how it's going and they decide to immediately red flag it 
So, and what did we sit for for an hour? There was all sorts of confusion. There's been there's been a lot of information come out since that still is confusing about what what was going on, about waiting because they saw rain come in, so they didn't want to start, thinking they'd have to red flag it anyway. Stories of power outages on the grid, which mm. would have stopped them from doing a, a standing start, that the lights weren't working, which necessitated a, a rolling start. Very confusing. I mean, the commentators were definitely getting very frustrated that why didn't they just start when they had at the right time and let it all play out? That's what Formula One does. It it races in the wet, uh, especially it wasn't that wet when they started. Yeah, and and the, uh, having the cars going at full clap with with wet tires on would have cleared the track. Not maybe not as quickly as uh, as w- would have been right. needed, but there would have been some racing laps in there at the start in you know wetning conditions, which would yeah. have made for some interesting racing especially with monaco never really being a great race from an overtaking perspective right. it just meant that people were going to be sitting there just watching tv listening to people talking about it rather than actually watching it would have made for an interesting spectacle but didn't happen yeah i mean what's the point of even having these wet tires if they're not going to be racing on on wet tracks i mean by the time they came out it was ready for intermediate so it just i don't i don't i don't understand the rationale and i guess you know a lot of people didn't you know i'd love to have yeah. seen the start because going around Monaco in the wet is something which is, you know, the, the driver skill needed to do that is just on another level. But we didn't get to see yeah. it. Yeah. You know, we got what we got. So an hour later, they finally decide to go through with it. I guess there were three formation laps or two formation laps. So they ended up starting on lap three. And then a couple laps, a couple laps into that, Charles is told, you know, that there's going to be no more rain in 20 minutes. So... Everybody kind of starts starts pitting. Pierre was the first one early on that went on to inners, and that kind of started started the whole train of it. And and he had that pass um, on Danny, which put him up into twelfth, and he started in seventeenth. So he's making up time really fast. Yeah, that that overtake on Daniel Ricciardo by Pierre Gassi was really really good. He had a couple of looks. He had a look going into the Nouvelle Chicane, but then down towards Tabac started having a look. And then overtook him between Tabac and the swimming pool, which yeah. you, you don't overtake there. I mean, you don't overtake in Monaco, but you certainly don't overtake there. That was a great pass. Yeah, he put it. He put it right onto the wet side of the track and just put his foot down and uh, got the drive that he needed to to pass him. It was amazing. Um, so the next lap, Science is asked, I guess, from his team if they should pit, and he decides, no, we should stay out a little bit longer for the slicks. And then two laps later, Checo is the first of the leaders to pit onto enters. Um, and he starts a train of pitting of other people going on to enters, Leclerc, Max. But everything pretty much stays the same by the, after those first pits, correct? Yeah, no real movement in the, in the running order. Obviously, Carlos right. stays on his, on his full wets. They wanted him to come in, but he basically ignored them and just kept going. You, you heard on the radio, on the, on the broadcast, he's like, we're going to go straight to slicks. He was he was pretty clear. Fair play. It was a good strategy call for him. But I mean, th- this was the first mistake by Ferrari, though, wasn't it? That they they didn't need to pit Leclerc in response to Checo pitting for Inters, even though Checo was putting in some faster laps. They didn't pit him. You know, didn't they, they? Didn't they leave him out? Wasn't that the issue? Well, only for a couple of only for a couple of laps. So Leclerc and che- Leclerc and Max pitted on lap on 19. nineteen. When Checo pitted, he had enough space in between there that he could have come out still in front. It got very confusing. Yeah. <laughs> that's, <for sure. laughs> that, that's it. Cause I, on a drying track and it's always like, well, some people are going to enter. Some people say it, by that point, he had heard Carlos saying that he was going to hang on and, and wait for the slicks. At that point, it's like, all right, the, 
different people thinking different things. I think that they pitted Leclerc seeing that Red Bull were, were getting ready to pit Verstappen. I think they were really trying to cover Verstappen and not cover, uh, cover Perez. And yeah, they flinched and it wasn't a great move. In particular, yeah. then coming up, that, that kind of really set the, set the tone for the rest of the race. Yeah. On that lap also, we had another little moment with Ocon and Lewis again. He seems to, Ocon seems to always have these issues with Mercedes cars, but there's a light contact between them. Ocon kind of cuts him off um, and they touch a little bit and Lewis is worried he has damage. He might have a little bit on the wing, but the team thinks it's okay. And Ocon ends up getting a five second penalty for that. Although it was like an hour later down the race that he got the penalty. It was a little weird thing. They didn't really replay it. They did show, you did see some, some damage on the front left wing. Uh, of Lewis's car you saw the end plate was kind of wobbling around a bit I don't know that they did anything about that at the pit stop but certainly when you know they fixed it I guess during the red flag but the interpretation of the rules are starting to get a little bit frustrating because I think some of the calls are are different from how they were last year and different how they they were earlier in the season so a lot of odd stuff going on in terms of the race direction Continue the conversation on pine-sports.com. That's P-I-N-E-sports.com and the Pine Sports Discord, which you can find linked on the website. And join us in a -a one-of-a-kind fantasy Formula One contest at coopsf1.com. That's C-O-O-P-S-F number one dot com, where you can put your theories to the test. Now we get to the craziness, lap 22. And so I, I've watched this so many times, and I still can't really figure out how this all happened. <laughs> um, so they pit, Char- they pit Carlos to come in, and then they decide to pit Charles right afterwards. But he's, they say at the last moment, while he's already turning into the pit lane, that he should stay out. And obviously Charles is yeah. not happy, and they end up having to wait for for carlos's pit yeah and i was looking at it it looks like that probably cost him about four seconds yeah and i've got two theories go on martin pitting science then was exactly the right thing to do he was going straight from full wets to to slicks which is what he he made the call seven laps before they were executing on that Uh, just a mess massive screw up by somebody telling charles to box and then when that guy realized his mistake it was already too late he was already in the pit lane and and he was he was stuck there and Nick, you have a conspiracy. Is it a conspiracy? No, no, theory? That, that, no. I have two <laughs> theories on it. Firstly, very much like what you were saying, maybe someone in in the Ferrari pit wall pressed the Charles button instead of the Carlos button. I wondered that too. And told right. Leclerc to pit, and maybe just at that point they saw that Leclerc had hit the pit confirm button, and they goes, "Why has Charles got the pit confirm button?" And then and then said, "Stay out, stay out." Right. Because yeah. they weren't far enough apart on track to call a double stack. They yeah. just weren't. So yeah. either that happened or they were just trying to be a bit cute because they knew that they'd messed up Leclerc. They'd messed up bringing Leclerc in a couple of laps earlier and were trying yeah. to make up for it. But to call some, to call the leader of the race in twice in three laps yeah. just makes yeah. them look like a bunch of Muppets. It really does. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean, but fair play to the Ferrari pit crew. It wasn't their fault. Like, they, they handled the situation as well as they could, right? The two cars showed up uh, at the same time, practically. They 
his actual stationary position in the pit box for Leclerc was was just a normal pit stop. But yeah, he was waiting for at least two, three seconds extra that he didn't need. Martin to. always with the silver lining for the Ferrari crew. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just another race that Ferrari dominated, but yet didn't win. <laughs> no, but then I did see, obviously, where Leclerc came on the radio. He's quite upset. Yes. And he goes, well, guys, and the Ferrari pit, pit wall came back and said, yeah, we had an issue with one of the wheels on Carlos's car. Or something like that. It's like it was a pretty textbook stop. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. why is he still stationary in the pit box? It's like, no, it's not because he took a, like he had any trouble with the wheels. It's because you called them in at the same time when they were like yeah. five seconds apart on track. I think when Science exits the pits, he's behind Latifi yeah. for like almost half yeah. a lap um, with blue blue flags and lights waving. Leclerc comes out and he's behind Albon and there's some crazy onboard footage from Albon's uh, car and you got the and then you got the the Nick special uh, helmet cam from Leclerc's car behind Albon for a whole lap just passing blue flag after blue flag after blue flag um holding up both Leclerc and and Sainz as well costing them more time I did see a quote this morning from Albon saying, I stayed ahead because that was faster for both of us. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. And it's like, that doesn't make any sense at all. He's clearly know. trying to overtake you on fresh tires. What, right? what, I don't know what planet you're on where, oh, I'm, I'm punching a hole for Leclerc to victory here. Like, follow me, buddy. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll take you to, take you to the, the podium. I, 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 and then the only reason that Leclerc, you know, quote unquote, got by was when uh, Albon missed the first corner. Uh, and uh, Leclerc went through, but and and no penalty for the for the Williamses for doing that. I mean, how many blue flags can you drive by? I'm just um, googling it. I think it's four. Well, if you go he, past he, a fourth blue flag, you get you're supposed to get. Uh, it was I've I've a, seen a sixteen as a number. I've seen twenty one as a number. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's actually three consecutive blue flags, right. not four. That's, so then the album thought it was four, and it was like yeah. one. and then and then red bull kind of show ferrari how to do it a couple of laps later they you know they don't double stack because max is never stationary but they bring both the cars in simultaneously practically simultaneously yeah did it to perfection checo gets his yeah checo gets his tires he's gone max comes straight in gets his tires he's away and the combination of Leclerc being stationary behind Sainz, Leclerc being stuck behind Albon. I mean, Max came out just a, a, a couple of meters uh, ahead of uh, Leclerc. So, yeah, after all that, Checo in the lead. We're like yeah, 24. Checo in the lead, Carlos second, Max third, Charles fourth, and Russell fifth. Yeah, Russell got past uh, Lando, right? I mean, and, and that was that was a pass into Sandovot. Yeah, I mean, it was just it was a nice little battle between the two of them. Um, well, not really much of a battle, but but good strategy, I guess, on on Mercedes's part. And George was able to get by get by Norris. It was funny to see the two of them after the race because they're such good friends, and they're kind of just like teasing each other about that that one that one little moment. But yeah, it was nice to see uh, Mercedes, who did not look good all weekend, and this is a tough track for them. And to see see George be able to get up into yeah, into he's spot. doing such a good um, job there. I mean, he's good. He's between third yeah. and fifth. 
you know, in that range, every race inside the top five for the first seven races, right? That's that, yep. that doesn't happen by accident. And the only driver to score in every single race yep. so far. I guess it was him and Charles up until right. last week. And then we get a couple laps down and Albon didn't get a penalty for impeding the Ferraris, but apparently he left the track. I guess they were talking earlier about the the Nouvelle Chicane. The one at the yeah. marina. Yeah, and coming out of the tunnel. I guess that's they were saying that there would probably be a lot of penalties because of people going through there, but Albon got a five second penalty for leaving the track. I didn't see it. I can only imagine that that's Yeah, because it, it says leaving the track and gaining an advantage. Well, if you leave the track anywhere else on the entire track, <laughs> you hit a wall. So it's yeah. yeah. It's clearly it's and you get an there, advantage. Yeah, right? there's no, yeah. You can leave the track at the at Sandovot, but it's an escape road, and you're not gaining any kind of advantage. Yeah, yeah. But know. yeah, I think I think that might have just been a case of the the steward saying we should have really given a penalty to to Albon two laps ago. We'll give him one right. now, and then we get a couple laps in, and you know we get Mick crashing again, big crash. It looked wow, really yeah. bad, um, but. You know, it's it's how these cars, I guess, are designed to break apart that way. But it, it looked really bad. I mean, the car was in half, but he was able to walk out of the car and be okay. But Mick, like we've said in many episodes, is just unable to put a good race together. It's it's uh, it's definitely a trend that he's going to want to want to fix. Yeah, and I agree. When I saw the car in that state, I was like. Oh man, that's, that's bad. When you actually saw the, the crash itself and how it lost and, you know, his, his, his nose, well, he went, he cut right. His nose hit the, hit the, the barrier that took a lot of the sting out. He's going sideways. So obviously that was a heavy impact, but it looked a lot worse than it, than it really was. And it was good to see him get out of the car and walk and not be too, uh, not be too hurt. So. There was a few uh, moments, I think, for, for some of the drivers. I mean, that was the, the last of them, I think. But before that, Carlos had a, a big moment coming down the pit straight when it was still wet and, and got yeah. his car sideways behind Perez and, and saved it. Um, and then coming down out of the tunnel, was it? It was Joe. Joe got got his car sideways yeah. alongside an, another car and man- an even bigger sl- slide and managed to save it. Um, yeah. That was impressive. And then when he came so, on the radio yeah. and he goes, I think I need some new pants. <laughs> yes, that was, that was really funny. <laughs> uh, and I guess, you know, something similar happened happened to Mick, but uh, he couldn't save it. I was, I agree with you. I, I was still, I'm still kind of shocked that the car broke in half like that. It just didn't seem like the impact was hard enough, but um, it, it, it happened. And yeah, luckily it was fine because they, when they didn't show the driver for, it seemed like a minute or so, um, or replay, you're like, oh, crap, like, what's going on here? But uh, all's well that ends well, I guess. The commentators were talking about how they kind of thought it would go immediately to red flag, um, but they decided to put on the safety car, and then I guess when they pulled the car away, they saw how damaged the barriers were, so they moved it to red flag. The marshals were trying to pull the... The barrier back into position. Yeah. They just could, it was too heavy. They couldn't move it, so they had to get the cranes in, and that's when they had to yeah. red flag it. Yeah, I mean it was the right it was the right thing to do. It, yeah. I mean it, it, it's consistent. Yeah. If the if the barrier needs to be repaired, you red flag and you repair the barrier. That's that's it. I, I think I, I think more people were surprised 
about the safety car staying out that long than they were about the red flag. Maybe it was because they knew that there was going to be a time issue. You have three hour window to complete a race once the race has started. So that's why the two hour time clock actually started before the race started because that, that first formation lap right at the very beginning, what, 15 minutes later than advertised or however long it was, that's, that was the start of the three hours. So then you're only getting it's into two hours. And at that point, red flagging it, they knew it was going to come under the, t- under the time limit. So it was going to be a timed race rather than a, a race of 77 laps. So originally it was going to be 78, but with the second formation lap at the start, that reduced it down to a 77 lap race. So this was lap 33, I think, still 44 mm-hmm. left to go at this point. And everyone's in the pits and they have some tire choices to make, right? They all decide. I mean, I guess I, there were still some cars on on some of the wet tires or intermediate tires, but for the restart, they they were all they were all on. Yeah, slicks. the the interesting part there with Red Bull saying they're going to go for the medium, I think that they wanted to make sure that they had the best restart, knowing that it's so difficult to pass around Monaco yeah. that it's like you want a slightly softer tire and hope that it hangs on, and um, and then you know you. you you saw as as it transpired the rest of the race, right? You look at Alonso and Hamilton right then after that and seeing Alonso lapping three seconds a lap slower than the leaders and Hamilton's behind him trying to get by. Obviously, Alonso driving like really, really slowly just can't get by. It's, it really is that difficult to pass at Monaco. And so... We've seen it time and again over the years that if there's a, a stoppage and and then there's um, you know some tire choices to make, Red Bull always go aggressive on that. I think Daniel Ricciardo when he won at Monaco and he kept Lewis behind him for the last few laps on you know tires that were really really going off at that point, but Lewis wasn't able to get by. Um, and I think well I think it was Lewis fighting against uh, against Daniel. Same same situation here, right? The four of them were so close. I mean, in overtaking is is good and but not always, right? You have these massive DRS overtakes all of the time, and it's almost like overtaking becomes too easy if if the DRS is too effective. Obviously, DRS is not effective here at all, so you don't get the passes, yeah. but it's still really exciting to see those four cars in such close proximity. And science did make a couple of moves to try and get through just, you know, into the chicane, whatever, but obviously he just couldn't get, couldn't make it stick. He definitely, he was trying. There were a few moments where there were people really trying to, to make some, some passes happen. Um, but it's just, it's just not, not possible, but we get to 31 minutes left. So we've, we've switched now from, laps to to timed um and the field is spreading out a little bit obviously you said alonzo was kind of making that happen on his own um but 31 minutes left and they finally have the drs on for the first time um not that it really made any difference to the race but then we get to 21 minutes left and alonzo has been holding them up and norris who's ahead of him in sixth place is 33 seconds ahead of the rest of the pack. So I'm going to pose this question for you guys. I believe Monaco is the longest consecutive run race in Formula One, correct? Is it time to retire the Monaco Grand Prix? No. 
<laughs> it, it, it's such a unique event. If someone was to have the idea today, clearly it would never happen. But it's it's great for everything that it it gives, which isn't always great racing. But neither is Barcelona, right? Except for the last two years, obviously. Um, keep it. It's 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 always interesting. Well, it's not always interesting, but it's it's great to see. It's a spectacle. Mm-mm. We Martin. we'll we'll see. I mean, yeah, yeah. History aside, well, history history is all it. Ha- I think history is all it has. Really, um, it doesn't right. have it doesn't have much else. They didn't run it in twenty twenty, I guess, during the pandemic. Yeah, I didn't particularly right. miss it. I do like the fact that they've done a lot of hard work to make overtaking easier, and you know, at other circuits, you know, with the cars, I mean, uh, and that's made for some very exciting races that you. You're clearly not going to get at Monaco now, it seems, you know, if Alonso can go around that slowly and hold everybody up. I tend to think it it should be should be done with, at least for yeah. a little bit. I mean, there's really no way to, to change the track because it's a street course and the walls are so close. It's like you can't really fix uh, maybe, the track. Maybe not. I don't so. know. They, re- they, they reclaimed so much land in Monaco. I think Nick was pointing out they got a whole new section being built uh, just in front of uh, the on the marina that they could potentially do something with a massive multi-billion dollar investment for sure yeah well there um, are other roads i mean it if you there's a tunnel another tunnel that goes up to the when you turn right through anthony Nogues, the road to monton kind of goes off to the left and you, you blast through that but it goes out towards the highway and then you can actually loop back around and there's another road that goes above um above this where the start finish line is and that comes straight down to saint devot Maybe if uh, if they opened that up a bit and did some work up there, then maybe that would give a longer bit of a longer straight run down down to Saint Devot and then up to Massenet. That maybe you could get some passing in, but I don't think they're really going to redesign the track at this point. It's, I mean, Planet Sushi or whatever that restaurant is right there would would lose out on all their free <laughs> advertising for the year. I mean, oh, no. and his, it, <laughs> it's such a tight track, and it, it, I guess it is slow, but it's so tight and twisty. It really does challenge the drivers. They cannot make any mistakes, right? You're into the barriers and it, it's game over. So, um, and in, over the years, we've seen some amazing laps put in by some amazing uh, drivers, you know, Senna, uh, Prost, Graham, you know, going all the way back to like Graham Hill, um, people like that. And, Char- and Charles Leclerc's lap that was aborted because of the, the crash behind him, I think he was 0.7 seconds up on his pole lap at that time. So the reason I pose that question is because obviously they're trying to get a lot of new fans because of whatever Bernie Ecclestone's mindset of wanting to keep old people because they have money and not young fans. Um, but he's gone now and they're trying to get these younger fans who, like me, don't have that history behind it. And someone who like we're all nerds. We love the racing part of it and the fastest lap and the qualifying and everything. But for people that aren't as invested, I guess, as we are, it's just not a fun race to watch. It's, it's, it's not because we, we know everything that's going on, but if they're trying to get these fans that aren't as knowledgeable as we are doing a podcast, um, it's, you know, not, it's probably not as interesting to watch. It's one race that I really want to go to. I've been to Monaco a couple of times, but never for the Grand Prix. The streets are really narrow. It's really it's t- tight. It's crazy yeah. tight. I, I, I visited yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, not, not during Grand Prix. 
you stand uh, after Sandoval where it goes up the hill and you're standing on this like tiny road. And you're like, they bring their cars through here? This is ridiculous. It's not even Going straight. how fast? <laughs> yeah. It's like it, you can actually see as you look down the hill that it, they just cut corner to corner, I guess, as they're coming, quote unquote, straight up the hill. But the road is twisty. Yeah. So I hope that... I hope that if they do, well, if they do get rid of it, I hope that we have a couple of years notice so it doesn't just drop off and then everyone kind of wishes that we'd they'd gone. Yeah. I certainly would have a bit of FOMO if I never, if I never got to Monaco. I mean, it's obviously the most famous race on the calendar. Um, I mean, it's even been in a Marvel movie, you know, it's like everybody that isn't even involved in Formula One knows about the Monaco Grand Prix. So you know, I'm definitely conflicted in my thoughts of whether it should go or whether it should stay. Alonzo, we talked about the safety car slash not safety car, Alonzo holding everybody up. And then with 16 minutes left in the race, Albon finally retires. Another race where Latifi has beaten Albon two in a row that Latifi has finished higher than Albon. Um, of course, this time Albon retired. Last time he did not, but I mean, it's not like they're doing. But, all but let's that not well, forget Latifi crashed on the formation lap. Yeah, <laughs> he's still got his crash in. Yeah. <laughs> he's still got a crash in. <laughs> That's true at the hairpin. <laughs> That's true. So, fourteen minutes left in the race. Perez's tires are starting to grain, and you can see that he's he's definitely losing losing pace. Um, and Carlos is getting really, really close to him. I think the most famous situation where you had the faster car behind the the slower car in Monaco was, was it Senna Mansell? Senna was in front. Mansell was behind in like 1986 or something like that. And uh, Mansell was just way, way, way faster than, than Senna. But there's, there's nothing he could do. Uh, it's just, just too tight. And Senna just had the, the speed in the straight line and not the corners and yeah it's worth a watch on youtube if you can take a look at it because it you can see the frustration behind and and science had something similar going on he was all over the back but there just wasn't space to to make a move it seemed they're not a sponsor of ours but i talk about them often f1 tv i watch a lot of their their stuff and they have all the old races on there so i've been kind of going back and watching like whatever the best seasons are and starting from the front and, and going through to kind of get a better understanding of, of the history of it. So like, I, I think I was watching the 2012 season is what I'm watching right now. And um, it's cool to see all these, all these older, older race car drivers that I've never even heard of, even the ones farther in the back that like, I would have never, you know, seen. You're making me feel old. 2012 wasn't that long ago. Like old old drivers are like 80s drivers or well, 90s I've been watching, drivers. Like I watched the 96 <laughs> Spanish Grand Prix for, for before last week when it was like the crazy rain one. Um, yeah, there's the Donington. Was- uh, the Donington in 94 or 92. We only really need to watch the first couple of laps, but watching Senna <laughs> carve his way through the pack there, that was that's the, I think that was called the European Grand Prix that year from Donington. That was very, very famous um, skill display by Ed and Senna. So they're good ones. But the thing about watching, especially around from like 2012 um, and earlier, the sound of those cars. I remember Martin and I, um, we've been to the Canadian Grand Prix a couple of times. The last time, the second time, I think it was that we went, we got there on the Friday or maybe it was on the Saturday as the, just as 
practice three was starting and you can hear those cars from miles away like miles away they're so loud i used to love the the old v10s i think the v10s were sort of late 90s so maybe in that 96 spanish grand prix i think there were probably some v10s in there then they were amazing engines they were so loud so aggressive sounding the v8s then came along they were a slightly different sound they revved higher so they those things just wailed they were great even now these cars they are kind of louder than they were back in 2014 when they were first introduced in this turbo hybrid format but it's still not the same so watching those old races i'm sure was a bit of a surprise from a from an audio perspective for you definitely and it, you know it's hard to kind of get the understanding of how loud they actually are from watching it on tv i'm excited to eventually you know get to to a race i'm actually looking at maybe the canadian next year because you, you can't really tell it's like i remember there was one shot i can't remember what the race was but like it was like a crazy shot down a street and like seeing how fast it's going when it's coming right by the camera like you can tell that the cars are fast but yeah. from the angles that they have you can't re- you can't really understand how fast they're actually going but you see that one shot and it like disappears in a second what was the what was the year when they stopped uh, refueling when did that run until do you know because i remember ferrari everybody was running a v10 but ferrari was still running a v12 and they had refueling so it was all about changing the tires wasn't a big deal at all because you could change the tires really fast it was how long it took to put the fuel in the car and the ferrari needed more fuel because they were the only ones running v12s was it when they started the hybrid era i think it was way before that they had a few accidents yeah yeah we'll have to check that one out listeners and yeah. we'll, we'll provide an update next it, time it, out. it's a completely different almost not a difference not a different sport but the strategy uh, considerations were were massively different you didn't have to run you could run whatever tires you wanted and all these rules that they brought in it, it's really uh, We've got 10 minutes left, and the top fu- top four are getting really close. Um, the medium tires that the Red Bulls decided to stay on were really graining, and they were slowing down, and the Ferraris were really, really pushing on them. Um, and there was about three minutes left where Carlos tried to kind of make a move at the hairpin, but almost went into the back of Checo and had to, like, slam on the brakes, and he lost too much time, and that was kind of – that was the end of the race. So what we have, we have Checo getting his first win at Red Bull, his third win overall. I was really happy for Checo, even though I am not, you know, usually a Red Bull fan. Um, all the drivers really like Checo. They were all kind of, root, you know, happy for him other than, you know, probably Charles and Carlos. But anyway, so we got Carlos second, Max in third to finish out the podium. Charles with a very sad P4. George getting top five in the first seven races. Lando in sixth, Alonso in seventh, Lewis in eighth, Botas in ninth, and Seb in tenth, um, rounding rounding out the top ten. It was it was a crazy it was a crazy race. Um, a lot of unexpected, a lot of downtime. Um, not as many crashes as I was expecting, or the commentators were expecting coming into Monaco. Where did Ocon finish actually on the field? Was that eighth and then the penalty put him back to... He was right behind... Behind Hamilton, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he was right behind Hamilton. In ninth. I mean, the, the, to say how fast they go 
they really do a good job of keeping it on the track. You know, when you, they show some of the slow-mos and the wheel, you can hardly see any daylight between the wheel and the barrier, and they're doing 100 miles an hour. You know, it's, yeah. it's pretty impressive. Winners, Checo, I think, you know, I think he's a, he's a popular guy. He got that, the upgrade. So he came in with Sauber, I think it was at the start of his career and he went to McLaren and it didn't work out for him. And he went, he went back down to Sauber and then he was at Force India and all of that. You know, it's like, is this guy as good as everyone thought he was back then? And he's just always been really, really solid. And he's, and we've talked about him before on, on this pod. He's a good racer. Last time out, he was faster than Max. But the team, they were, they, were behind, you know, they were next to each other on track. And so the team could dictate what happened. They couldn't this time. And very happy for Checo to win. He was like a bit of a tear in the eye when he was on the, on the yeah. podium. You know, yeah. he, he's, he's been in this sport for a long time. And he's now finally winning races. And it's his third race win. And it's at Monaco. Yeah, it, it was good to see him up there. I don't want to get ahead of myself too much, but he's... he's- Right back in the mix in the driver standings now. Absolutely, he's, he's hundred. He's third, hundred and ten points. He's only six behind Leclerc, and then you know Leclerc's nine behind Verstappen. So anything, anything could happen. At, le- at least a three horse. It's definitely a three horse race right now. Who knows what's going to happen in the next few races? Um, he was driving angry coming into this weekend for what happened last week, and he he is fast. He's very fast. He had a um, point to prove. Yeah. 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 He's just going to need a little bit more of luck because he needs to be winning races without Max Verstappen in second place. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to get struggled he needs, backwards. He needs another color car behind <laughs> right. him in front of Max. So, you know, Max could, yeah, Max doesn't care who's behind him. He gets to win the race. Uh, it's still you know, so it's, early, though. Like, who, kn- exactly. who knows? But. Uh, it's a bit like uh, Talladega Talleg- Nights, right? The uh, Will Farrow movie. Like, can I just win one one time? Like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> you slingshot me to victory. Yeah, that's the better way to do it. That's what Max is saying. I mean, he was disappointed with, with the weekend, but I have to say Carlos is a winner with how things have been shaking out with him Absolutely. coming into this week. I mean, he, you got to put him as a winner in second place. Yeah, and if things have fallen slightly differently, he, he could have been there for the win, but... Um, I think his, you know, his making the call to stay out uh, and go straight to slicks got him that podium. And so it's not just all about the driving; it's about the head on the shoulders as well. So, yeah, yeah winner all around. So, and then uh, the last winners, I kind of put them together, just being young Brits, George and Lando, just have being consistent, having good races with their, you know, experienced teammates, not performing as well as they are. Um, yeah. They've been really impressive early on in the season, especially with Lando being, I mean, he, he still looks sick. He did um, not look well when, when they yeah. were him, he was being interviewed by Natalie Pink and walking up the pit lane. He did not look well. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, fair play. Imagine what he, what he could have done if he'd have, well, he'd still probably finished in the same position. They were, they were kind of lonely. At that, yeah. You know, the four, four in front of them were so far ahead and, Thanks to um, thanks to Alonso, they weren't getting pressured from behind. Lando, obviously, with Alonso keeping the pack thirty something seconds behind, could pit and get some fresh rubber and pick up that extra point for fastest lap. Yeah, he took advantage of that for sure. And like you said, Russell finishing the top five in the first uh, all the races so far this season doesn't happen completely by accident. So, no. a, a, you know, great start to the season for him. 
Yeah, especially with the car they had in the beginning of the year. Um, really impressive from both those guys. Um, so now we get to the losers. Uh, I put Ferrari as a team. They had another strategy blunder, as we've spoken about a lot. Um, they And it's in their history that they've done this. I was watching after the race. Um, oh, my God, I'm blanking on his name. Lewis's teammate that beat him in 2016. Rosberg. Rosberg was talking. He was like, Ferrari's been doing this ever since I was driving for Mercedes. I mean, they, they need to they need to figure out their strategy. They, they, they just trip over the, their own feet yeah really they, they do they've got a history mm-hmm. of doing it the the only time that they weren't doing it really was in the schumacher years when he had jean tot obviously he's, he's french ross yeah. braun is the brit braun, there yeah. you know they always like to have their italian guys in the big seats like mattia bonato who, who's a good guy but there's stefano dominicali before him but they just need cooler heads on their shoulders it just feels like they panic a little yeah. bit and make the wrong call or just do something to shoot themselves, um, which is a shame because I really wanted Charles to win at home, despite all the all the bad luck that he's had. And he's never fit. This is the first race in any yeah. formula that he's actually finished at Monaco. So, um, yeah, which is insane. It, yeah, yeah, um, could have been could have been a better weekend for Ferrari, definitely. Yeah. And then another loser. I mean, it's been trending this way, um, but Haas having both their cars not finish the race. Um, and now they're down in eighth place in the constructors standings, um, which is, I mean, they looked like a strong car, but they just haven't done any work to it. And, you know, Mick isn't helping. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's really disappointing from them. Gunter looks angry. He doesn't really understand what's, what's going on. He was saying how disappointed he was with, with how it, how it ended. Um, and they had had like a 100% finish rate at Monaco, whatever that means. But, um, you know, a really bad weekend from Haas. And it's just starting to spiral. When we get onto more traditional circuits, then hopefully we'll see them coming back. You know, the type of circuit characteristics that, that they like. I think there's a couple of... I'd like to see what they do in Canada. I think that they're a team that I, I, I'd be interested to see at Canada, given the nature of the circuit. Similarly, and a team we've talked very little about today, Alfa Romeo, their car just isn't suited to like the low speed. Yeah. They've got a quick car, which I think, which is Canada is like blast chicane, blast chicane, blast hairpin, blast chicane. That's pretty much it. So I'd be interested to see what they do. Obviously, we've got Azerbaijan, uh, Azerbaijan <laughs> coming up, oh, no. which is, a bit of again, a bit of a noddy circuit. It's you don't understand. Not I don't think they had noddy in the US, but it's a bit Mickey Mouse of a circuit. They've got like the twisty bit and the bit round the castle, which is all very nice and everything. But it's fast, and and but then they've got like the they've got the fast straights. So obviously a lot of DRS overtakes in Azerbaijan. So again, very very different characteristics coming out next week. You know, I I probably expect. Um, Alpine to be pretty quick there as well. So maybe Ocon can redeem himself a little bit. Well, let's, now that we're talking about it, let's get into Baku a little bit. I think this is a track that seems to suit Mercedes's new car. Um, with the long, the long straights with DRS, I think that they might be able to do a little bit better this week. Although I've said this before and, you know, they end up not doing very well. So yeah. now that they've got their porpoising sorted, it is such a high 
uh, high speed, long straight. If you, if any cars are going to be purpose, purposing at any point again in the season, I can definitely see it happening at Baku and at Monza because they're going to be sort of low down, lower downforce settings, but um, obviously at highest speed at the end. So um, we'll see. I, I hope that Mercedes can can bring it back at this one, but I don't think their car really suited Monaco. I think the whole purpose of their their aero philosophy is to really seal the underside of the car to benefit from from that aspect of things. And they don't really have that mechanical grip that you need in Monaco that certainly the Ferraris and the Red Bulls have. Yeah. I'm just hoping that Ferrari can, can put it all together. I, I still strongly feel like they've had the best car the last two races and they've come come up with almost nothing. But, um, you know, they had it in in Spain and... You know, they were right there in Monaco, had it in their hands and through a series of blunders, let it slip through their fingers. So if they could put it all together, there's no reason why they can't go on and start winning these races. Yeah, yeah. but I don't um, think Baku is the circuit that they're going to win. Just given their philosophy of being great round the corners and not so great on the straights, the Red Bulls are going to blast by them on this long straight. That, of that, I have little doubt. Just take, a little, just take a little wing off. Just take off a little wing. Go a bit faster. <laughs> we'll see. I'm excited for this race. It's my favorite one to race in in the video game, so I'm excited to watch it. Cool. I, I haven't, I haven't not raced. I've not played the latest iteration of the races. Actually, I might have to to get it and have a have a it's crack. Fun. Circuit, it's fun. If, if you like racing that circuit, then you know the circuit, and you when you can relate to the track and you know the track because you've raced on it on video games or whatever. It always makes it much more exciting because you yeah you, you you know exactly where they are on the circuit. And you know what's coming, and you can sort of plan ahead in your mind where you think they're going to be making some moves. So I'm I'm very excited about it. So let's uh, get into coops a little bit. Oh, Martin, are, I don't, I don't even want to talk about coops F1 mainly because <laughs> our, our our esteemed host Nicka Watanen has uh, taken over top spot of the the leaderboard completely, only by a single point, um, but uh, a solid performance. Championships have been won by less. <laughs> but uh, another low scoring round well i say medium scoring round you know the, the big the big boys were all uh in the top four obviously which a lot of people pick it just yeah. matter whether you got it in the right order or not yeah not a good not a good good for you nick uh not not so good for me i'm, I'm going backwards but i'm still in the top a- 30 so i moved down two spots i think i'm in like 29th now nice. but i moved I- up to second in the in the pine sports league so. Yeah, I'm languishing mm. in uh, Hass territory. Mm. <laughs> Not quite. And Williams. how appropriate they are in Charlotte this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So two weeks to go. Two weeks to sort it out for yeah. uh, for Baku. Thanks again for listening to the Undercut with Jason Martin and Nick. Please rate and review the show and tune in next week for our Azerbaijan episode. Take care.